Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Well, praise the Lord. Are you happy? You're full of joy. Yeah, go ahead and let out a hand clap of praise to the Lord. Give Jesus all the praise. Amen. Are you thankful to be part of a good church family? Are you thankful to have a good godly pastor? I'm so thankful for him. I'm thankful. You know, I know he doesn't uh, want any praise. He's like what uh, Jesus said would be the case in Luke 17:10. When we've done all these things, we'll simply say we're unprofitable servants because we've only done what's asked of us. You know, that's what a good servant does. But I'm so thankful that we have a good pastor, a good shepherd, a good servant that leads and guides us. That has brought us into a place here that we can study the Word of God, that we have a place where we can bless one another and we can bless the Lord. How many is thankful for that? Amen? Amen. You've got your Bible with you today? Amen. That was a couple of us. Do you have your Bible with you today? You, you would think after about 20 years you'd know the routine at this point. Amen? Let's make our confession. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, won't you shout amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read the first six verses of 1 John chapter 4. Hallelujah. I've got something in my spirit. I'm going to do my best to get it out. But I think the Holy Spirit's going to help any way and every way he can. Because at the end of the day, whether it's me or anyone else speaking, it is the anointing of God that changes things. Amen? Amen. First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved. Say, that's me. So this isn't written to anybody in the world. This isn't written to sinners. This isn't written to people who don't know Jesus. This is written to Christians. This is you. Beloved, do not believe... Every spirit, but test the spirits, King James says, try, whether they are of God. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? Test the spirits. If you're dating someone, you should test who you're dating, amen? See if they're of God. You're making business deals with that business partner, see if they're of God. Before you go into a partnership, see if they're of God. That's always just a good practice there, isn't it? Whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world, Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. How many can say Jesus has come in the flesh? Well, the Spirit of God's in you. Verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the Spirit of Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Someone say already. Verse 4, this is the one you know here. You are of God, little children, and you've overcome them. 
Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, and he who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What I want to share with you today is from this passage, and we're just going to work our way through these verses here, but I want you to know that the greater one's on the inside of you, and the greater one is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit indwelling in you as a Christian, empowering you and baptizing you with the fire of God is the overcoming element that gives you victory. He who resides on the inside of you is greater than the spirit that is in this world, which eliminates any opportunity to become a victim to this world. Amen, I'm preaching triumph and victory today. Because Jesus Christ paid the price for you to be victorious. And the key to victory is knowing the truth. And the key to losing the battle is believing a lie. You might look in our world and say, you know, if you've got a Facebook account, you know what I'm talking about. It'll sometimes remind you of, you know, on this day three years ago, you did this or that. And, and what I've realized is years have went by and I still make corny jokes. And nothing's changed. Laura says they're not jokes if they're not funny. I said, I just have a very high level of humor is what it is. I, have, I like dry humor. She says, it's, not, it's just not funny, AJ. It's not that you have dry humor. You're just not funny. But I put forth several years ago, of course, what's coming up? Before, no, I guess this year, the day after you celebrate the resurrected God, the resurrected King, you get to do what? Pay your taxes. Amen. Well, so I, Facebook reminded me, I made this little, little statement of status uh, several years ago. I said, if I identify as an eight-year-old, even though I'm 28, can I claim myself on my taxes as a dependent? And so I shared it and I said, considering the world's only went more nuts and I'm only older, can I still claim myself if I identify as a child? Of course, making a joke, it would be funny if it wasn't so pitiful. Why is it that a man can swim in the league with a bunch of women and everyone just stands around and acts like it's okay and we give out trophies to the guy first place when he's a man and he's not a woman? Well, he says he's a woman. That's a spirit of error. Why is it that we can, what, the Supreme Court in 2014, 2015 can say we're going to redefine marriage when they didn't, they don't own marriage. God owns marriage. God said marriage is between one man and one woman. Not one man, couple women, one uh, couple women, one man. You know, that never works out that way, though, does it? Women are, women are smart. They just, just get one, you know. The, these men think this idea. They can't take care of the one they got, and they think they want three or four. It's not between two men. It's not between two women. It is a spirit of error. It is a spirit of error. Why why do people go around and they just want to pull out a gun and shoot somebody on the side of the street with unprovoked violence? A spirit of error. See, you can can address symptoms. You can keep putting a Band-Aid on something, but if you don't realize what's causing the wound to come up in the first place, you're going to run out of Band-Aids. The problem is not the symptoms of sin that we see. The problem is there's two spirits, spirit of truth and spirit of error, and the spirit of error produces death. And the spirit of truth causes you to overcome. 
So I want you to see this. Verse 1 of this, what we just read. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Pseudo-prophets. That's a funny word because the P is silent. I always wondered, if a letter is silent, why put it there to begin with? You ever thought that yourself? Pseudo, P-S-U-E-D-O. I think people who run spelling bees make up words like that with silent letters just to trick people so that they'll look. Pseudo. Uh, how would you spell pseudo? Well, I would do it S-U-E-D-O. No, nah, we're going to stick a P in front of it. But it, we, it comes from the Greek word, pseudoprophetes, and I probably didn't pronounce that right, but I sound smart when I try. Pseudoprophetes, and it means fake prophet. There's some fakers out there. There's some people running around. They look good, but they have a spirit of error in them. Look at this. You have to test the spirits. Turn with me to Matthew 7, verse 15. Jesus warns you of this. Matthew 7, verse 15. Jesus, he's teaching through here. Matthew 7 is actually the tail end of the entire Sermon of the Mount. In your Bible, you know, it may say Sermon on the Mount right above Matthew 5, but really it goes through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And he gets right done saying, you know, narrow is the gate that leads to salvation, but wide and broad is the way that leads to destruction. So he's telling you about the, what, there's one way to life, him. And there's, a, there's a, a thousand and one ways to be destroyed, but there's only one way to live. There's only one person who is truth, Christ Jesus. There's a thousand and one lies you can believe, but only one's true. And after he gets done making this point, he gets to Matthew 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets. Look out for these fakers. Look out for these pseudo-prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes? Well, no. Do, fig, do they gather figs from thistles? No, they do not. Jesus is saying here, there is a broad, there's many opportunities to be destroyed. There's many opportunities to go out in error. There's many lies to believe, but there's one true source of truth, himself. And he's saying there are actually false prophets. There are deceiving people that are motivated and empowered by deceiving spirits. And they're out like a wolf, dressed up like a sheep, looking to take out other sheep. Because we're sheep. And sometimes people use that as, as like a negative connotation, but it's just simple. Jesus plain, plainly says that people are sheep. And he said, I got sheep of my pasture and I've got sheep of other pasture. I want to bring it in. You see the characteristics of, of sheep and people is so similar. And Jesus is saying there's some wolves out there and they want to eat some sheep. And they're going to dress up like a sheep. Now, here's the problem. When a wolf dresses up like a sheep and comes to the sheep's door and knocks on the sheep's door, and Lamb Chop walks up to the door and looks through the peephole, he just sees a sheep. Who's out there? Who is it? It's just a sheep. Let us in. We, we, we ran out of hay. We were going to make some hay muffins, and we're all out of hay. And Lamb Chop inside the house says, well, you know, I just went to the feed and seed grocery store, 
And I bought some hay. I can share some hay so they can make their hay muffins. And what happens? Lamb Chop opens the door, realizes it ain't no sheep. It's a wolf that looks like a sheep. And Lamb Chop becomes Lamb Chops. No hay muffins were made. The problem with a spirit of error is once it gets in, it's in. It's much easier. It's much easier to make sure a seed's not sown than it is to pluck up a giant oak tree. The giant oak tree that you have to pay someone to come cut down and haul off and take two days and fix the yard back up all began as a seed. I just did, I just cut a, a sapling about that big in the backside of my property that I don't see that often. And think about it. If I had saw it a couple years ago, I could have pulled it out with one hand. If I saw it two years or a year ago, I could have pulled it out two. But when I saw it, I had to get an axe. Why did I have to get an axe? Because dad's chainsaw was at his garage. This, that time. He says there's two places where his tools are, his garage, his shop, and my house. If, you will, if you'll pluck a seed out before it takes root, man, that's a whole lot better. But if a ravenous wolf gets inside a sheep pen, it's not just going to take out one. It's going to take out every sheep it can. I mean, naturally speaking, wolves, coyotes, they'll do this. Coyotes will get into a chicken house, and they'll just start going crazy. They'll smell blood. They'll just start killing. They don't just say, you know what? I think I'll take a number two with a side of fries, and I'll be gone. They just strike everything they can. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's not going to be polite about it. And there's a spirit of error in the earth. There are false prophets that you have to look out for. There are people that are motivated by deceptive spirits that are out looking for the sheep. Now you say, okay, we understand the threat. How do we know, how do we gauge this? Turn to Acts 17.11. Acts 17 and 11. I'm going to show you how to use wolf radar. Acts 17 11. Paul, he's preaching. In this portion of Acts, it starts talking about Paul. He's in Thessalonica and he stirs up a ruckus. The word of God, the gospel, always stirs things up, it sets people on fire. And it makes some people mad as fire. And that's what we want. How do you know you're doing doing right if you're running with God? Either people love you or hate you. But I don't want anyone indifferent. I want to be so on fire for the things of God that you're either going to love me or you're going to hate me. But if you will ignore me, I have not done my job as a witness. As a church, as the body of Christ, I want people either to love us or hate us. How do we know we're doing real, real good as a church, this church specifically, when we fill up the church and when we have people on the other side of the road with signs saying, don't go there? (laughs) If you're really going to stand with Jesus, you're going to draw love and hate. And that's what happened with Paul. So what does he do? He starts a wildfire in Thessalonica. People full of the Holy Spirit building the church, people getting mad. He said, I've done my job. I'll go to the next city. He goes to Berea. He begins to teach and preach in Berea, not, not up above Greenville, but out over here in the Middle East, Berea, near Turkey and all that. In verse 11, it says, though, I'm not very good with directions. It may not be above Greenville. I know there's a Berea, South Carolina, above Greenville. 
someone's going to come correct me after service. I'm going to think they're coming up to hug my neck and say, you know, I love you. And they're going to say, actually, you was wrong about Berea. <laughs> Verse 11. These were more fair-minded. The King James says noble. How, how many likes to be noble? Ooh. You stick your shoulders back a little bit, your head up. Nobility. You are kings and priests in Christ. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. I would agree. If I can talk to you without you throwing a plate, I would say you're pretty fair-minded. But Thessalonica, they started just attacking a house. They're more fair-minded those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Paul, the man of God, who by the Holy Spirit writes 14 books of the New Testament, they hear everything he has to say, and they were glad to hear it. And they said, man, that's some good stuff, Paul. Now I'm going to go back home and make sure it lines up with the Word of God. That's your wolf radar. There, you've got to test the spirits. You don't just test it to what I think. I'm not just testing what I hear to what I think, what I feel. I'm testing it to the Word of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 that every thought, not some, not most, not 99.9, for sure as, it is, as the day is long, if you only test 99.9% of your thoughts, the 0.01% that gets through will be the error. You test every thought. You take it in captivity and you measure it against Christ. And who is Christ? He is the Word. You test everything that comes into these ears through these eyes, in this heart, through this mind, does it line up with the Word? Because I don't want to open the door to a wolf wearing a sheep coat. Because I don't plan to be on anybody's dinner table as dinner. Because they're seducing spirits. They're seducing spirits. Look at this. Turn to 1 Timothy 4.1. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Sorry, Joe. Brush that mic. 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit, someone say Spirit. My Bible is capitalized, it's probably as yours as well. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, expressly, expressly says, explicitly, detailed, boldly, plainly says that in latter times... Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. The King James says, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That word seducing literally means a spirit of error, which we just read, 1 John 4, 6. There's either the spirit of truth or the spirit of error. See, they're seducing spirits that are already in the earth. How many believe you're living in the last days of God's plan of the age? Yeah, you are. The next thing to prophetically happen according to Scripture is the rapture of the church. Do you have your ticket? You ready to go? I'm not taking up a bus load right now. Just make sure you got your ticket when the bus comes. Because that's the next thing that's going to happen. And in the last days, there are seducing spirits, spirits of errors. Notice this. I didn't see this ever before until yesterday. Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. A spirit of error is preaching a doctrine. 
We preach doctrine. We don't use that word doctrine in everyday language, but basically we're preaching faith in Christ, right? But there are seducing spirits. There are spirits of error that preach error. You may know it as your nightly news. You may know it as social media. You may know it as a thought that Satan runs across your mind. But at the end of the day, spirits of error, spirits that go out to deceive people are preaching a doctrine. If you get a hold of the wrong doctrine, you'll produce what the spirit of error produces, which is death and destruction. You'll fall away, backslide from the things of God. You can, my, 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 it breaks my heart. I still cry out in prayer for different people, but you can see people. Are you someone's eternal judge? No. But it's, you, can, you can see because your heart, the Holy Spirit moves your heart to, to, to a breaking point to cry out for people because they've turned from the things of God. Unless they turn back, heaven will not be their habitation. Hell will be their home. They were on the right way, but now they're not. And why are they not? Because they listened to a spirit of error and they received a doctrine from the devil. What you hear and what you believe will determine the life you live and the place your eternity is for where you'll spend eternity forever. Heaven and hell and the life you live and lead up to that point is all determined by what you believe today. And, and Jesus is, uh, the Holy Spirit is saying here, in the last days there's, there'll be some that will depart from the faith. There'll be some spirits that are going out and deceiving. There's, they have a mission. Their whole purpose is to get you off of truth. Because if you get a hold of the truth, you're dangerous. I'm going to show you why you're dangerous here in just a second. If you get a hold of the truth, you're unstoppable. If you get the spirit of truth on the inside of you, you can't be conquered. You're more than a conqueror. If you get the spirit of truth on the inside of you, you have now become an overcomer in Christ Jesus. But see, Satan is afraid of that. The spirit of error is afraid of that. The spirit of Antichrist that is in the world now is afraid of that because that hinders and stops his lawless agenda. That stops what Satan wants to do. Do you understand that when Satan sees this church, he sees all of you and people he can't have and can't work through unless he can get you off the truth. He sees you as a stumbling block to his mission on the earth. Because you're carrying something that can turn people that are lost and deceived in sin into the things of God and he'll lose more people from his army. It really comes down to that. There's two teams, spirit of truth, spirit of error. Who's on your jersey? Make sure you got the right one. Because what's on the inside of you is a hindrance to the things of God. I want you to see this point blank. Let me read. You turn to 2 Thessalonians 2.7. 2 Thessalonians 2.7 is where I want you to turn. And as you're turning there, I'm going to read from our main, main text, our foundational scripture, 1 John 4. And I want to read verses 2 and 3 as you turn to 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. 1 John 4, 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already 
in the world. Now, people, uh, and, and we're studying right that through, through men's Bible study right now, charting the end times. It's a wonderful study. Uh, putting in place all the things that will take place on God's prophetic timeline. On Wednesday nights, if you, if you haven't... Uh, if you haven't been a part of it or missed some of it, it's all on YouTube. Pastor's been teaching through the Plan of the Ages chart, and he's in the book of Daniel right now. It's good to understand what's going to take place. It's good to know what's coming up the road when you're driving down it. Amen. It's good to know where the turns are, where the stop signs are, where the uh, green, you know, red lights are. But what I want you to see is this. 2 Thessalonians 2, I said 7, start at verse 6. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness, the mystery of lawlessness, the hidden truth, is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, when we get here, oftentimes we can see, we, we put our focus on this lawless one, the Antichrist, the man Antichrist. There will be a man during the time of tribulation that we see in the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, after the rapture of the church, there will be a period of tribula- tribulation, seven years, and there will be a man Antichrist who will come in the like fashion as Christ, anti meaning opposite, but he was going to be a deceiver. He's going to try to come off as if he is Christ. And he will be filled, just as Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Antichrist will be full of Satan, full of the spirit of Antichrist, full of the spirit of lawlessness. Now, oftentimes we get all our focus on the man, Antichrist to the point where every national leader, prime minister, president and general, and really well, you know, rich business owner was the Antichrist. Well, Hitler was the Antichrist. Do you know that when people were saying Hitler was the Antichrist, people were saying FDR was the Antichrist? You know, your favorite president, out of your favorite president, someone said he was the Antichrist. And then the one you said was the Antichrist was someone else's favorite president. But we know this, none of them were the Antichrist. People get called, who is the Antichrist? Who is the Antichrist? And you can, you can narrow it down point blank from Scripture, where he's coming from, what he's going to do. But what I want you to, to not miss the forest for the trees is this. The spirit that will empower the man is already here. And that's what matters to you today. That's what matters why you're sitting here in this church right now. That's what's going to change Monday morning tomorrow when you wake up. That the spirit that will empower this man of lawlessness is already in the earth now. The spirit of him, it says it right there, 1 John 4, 3, even now already is it in the world. That spirit of lawlessness, that spirit that will motivate this man to do all kinds of wickedness, the spirit of wickedness, the spirit of lawlessness, the ministry of deception is already in the earth, working in the earth. Now, here's the good news. There's someone in the way. You're in the way. Now, some people might say, well, no, 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 no. It would be governments. 
Here's the problem. Governments won't stop the Antichrist because when we look through end-time prophecy, there's governments during the period of tribulation. We know it's not the Holy Spirit that's holding back the Antichrist from being revealed because the Holy Spirit will lead people to Christ during the tribulation. There is a restraining force that is on the earth right now. It's the church. It's you. Let me read this, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, in a couple different translations. And if you've got the King James, it has a real peculiar way of saying, now letteth, uh, now letteth will let. But notice this, the New English, New English translation says, For the hidden power of lawlessness is already at work. However, the one who holds him back will do so until he is taken out of the way. The Amplified, for the mystery of lawlessness, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority. You know, that's all sin is. Sin is a rebellion against God's authority. When it comes right down to the nuts and bolts of sin, and you might think, well, why does God, you know, get so upset about sin? I mean, it's just a mistake. No, when you get really down to what sin is, it's me making a choice that God has said, this is right, I disagree, and I will now create my own idol who will tell me it's okay to do this thing because I now say I know more than God, and I'm going to usurp his authority, and I'm going to go against him, and I'm going to do my own thing. That's sin. It's a spirit of rebellion. In that, uh, the hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority is already at work in the world, but it is restrained only until he who restrains is taken out of the way. You are the restraining force on the earth. The Holy Spirit working in you is the restraining force that is keeping the Antichrist from being revealed. Which means the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of lawlessness, the spirit of error that is now working in the earth cannot overcome the greater one in you. Think about it. When you make a choice to live your life in obedience to the word of God, there's nothing that Satan can do about it. When you decide that I'm going to be the husband that God commanded me to be and my wife is the wife that God commanded her to be, there's nothing that Satan can do about that strong marriage in him except so deceit. That's, again, you think about that. You think, I just said with an example of marriage, adultery is just the sin, a symptom of the sin. Why do people ever get to that point of adultery? Because a spirit of error came in and hit their minds and their hearts, and they acted on a spirit of error which produced the sin of adultery. But the greater one who inhabits you and lives inside of you is so powerful that it is holding back what is to come in prophetic time. And what Satan wants to do, which is run roughshod over the world and, and manipulate and take out people left and right, which you see takes place in the tribulation, and deceive as many people as he can and work as hard as he can to get people from God into hell and work wickedness. He can't do it until God says, I'm now pulling the church out by the rapture. Which is why I will never, let's see. What's a polite way to say it? And I'll say the opposite. I will never give a rip about the uh, spirit. I'm just not going to give a rip about what news is telling me. 
Who's elected officials? Should you pray or should you vote righteously? Yes. In the scheme of my life, my righteous vote, because everything God says mine is going to be mine regardless of who's in the president's office. I'm going to do the work of the gospel regardless of who's sworn into office, who the governor is, who the mayor is, who's on city council. I'm going to, I, it does not matter what the evening news says. It doesn't matter what social media says. I'm going to do what Jesus has commissioned me to do as a Christian. Because the Spirit of God who indwells in me cannot be stopped, but rather is restraining the spirit of error. Which means you have a force inside of you that is so powerful. It is so mighty that it sets people free from the bondage of sin. That which causes people to do wickedness. You have a power in you, the Holy Ghost and His truth. And when you witness it and when you speak it and when you release it to people and they believe on it, it breaks the hold of the enemy. When I pray, things change. I would not waste my time praying if that were not the case. How many know, you know, you pray and uh, sometimes God, he's like a uh, red light, which means stop. Or sometimes it's, it's yellow, which means slow down. Or sometimes it's, uh, you know, green, which means go. And I've only gotten a green light in my prayer times in 22 years, but I'm still holding out for that green light. People do that. And it makes a good, sappy social media post. But that's not victory. Daniel sets his face to pray and fast and sees nations moved and changed. John Knox, was it Mary, Queen of Scots, Bloody Mary, said, the only thing I fear more than all the combined armies of Europe is the prayer of John Knox. I bet he wasn't praying a prayer that, uh, you know, did not use the name of Jesus. Like when some of these politicians, they want to have some cutesy little religious leader and they say, we want you to come pray, but make sure you don't just say Jesus' name. If you'll say God, we won't make, offend the Jews or the Muslims or anyone else. But don't say Jesus. I bet John Knox would, you know, I think, sure, I'll do that. And then he gets up there and he prays a fiery prayer that makes sinners tremble. Because he didn't like sinners? No, because he loved people dead in sin so much he was willing to tell them the truth. See, the greater ones on the inside of you, 1 John 4, 4, you are of God. I want you to say this. Say, I am born of God. Say that again. Say, I am born of God. See, John 1, 12 says this, but as many as has received Jesus, how many, how many have received Jesus? Well, to you, he gave power to become the sons of God. To them that believe on his name. See, you were not born of blood, the will of flesh, or the will of man, but you've been born of God. You've been born of God. You've been born of God. Naomi, she looks like me when she does certain things and she just can't help it because she's Dada's little girl. And she has some tendencies that are from her mom or from me and she just can't help it because she's our child. I was going to say something smart, Alec, but I don't want to get in trouble. When you're born of someone 
you carry not just likeness physically, but you just do things. How many have, over time, you've, as you've grown up, you said to yourself, I'm becoming my father. I'm becoming my mother. And, you know, in one year you think, I'm, I'm never going to do that. They don't know nothing. And then you get older and you realize they knew everything. And you should have just been quiet. And, you re- <laughs> and you're becoming them. You just, it's just in you. It's just in you. You are born of God, little children. Ye are of God, little children. You are of God, little children. And if you are born of God, then that means you have overcome. Past tense. Not waiting to overcome. Not in the glory, sweet by and by, I'm going to overcome. Oh, glory. In the sweet by and by. Hey, Jesus, we're going to overcome one day. Hallelujah. Over, have overcome. I can do it the other way too. Well, bless God, we shall overcome one day. I just prefer, I just prefer the first way better. At least it's got a little bit of umph in it. It may still be wrong, but at least it's good. If you're going to say something silly, at least say it with some umph in it. If it don't line up with scripture, at least make it sound good and make it sing a little. No, that's the spirit of error. See, because you've been born of God, therefore you have overcome. You have overcome because greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. The the reason you, you have overcome is because who is inside of you? The spirit of truth inside of you causes you to overcome. You, you just do it. I just overcome. That's what I do. It's just my nature. I just win. I just overcome. I just walk in the power of the might of my father and I overcome. And if I'm not, it's because I'm trying to not be like who I'm born of. I just overcome. You just overcome. It's just who you are. The power in you is the self-same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Here we're, we're coming up on Resurrection Sunday a few weeks from now. And that same power that made Christ his dead body, lifeless body. Think about it. You believe in God for healing? What's more powerful, healing or being raised from the dead? You, you're trying to get your blood pressure regulated by the power of God? He had no blood pressure. Your heart's not beating properly. I want my heart to be healed. His heart wasn't beating at all. You got a little ache or pain in the knees or the back? He didn't have no feeling at all. The body was dead. And if the self-same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you, he's now making you alive as Christ was made alive. With the same power. I don't believe in a junior Holy Spirit. Some people may be a junior cadet. I don't believe in a junior Holy Spirit. That's why I love having, how many love having children here in the worship service? That's why, you know, about what, one Sunday every month or so we have uh, the children's church kids sit in here with us as well. It's by design. There ain't no junior Holy Spirit. In fact, your children, your grandchildren will actually be more prone to the Spirit of God and sensing the things of God than you will. Because it didn't say that you have to be an extremely good-looking 32-year-old but don't look at to enter into the kingdom of God. I was talking about you, Dad. It said you have to be like a child to enter into the things of God. 
That's why I love having children in church. That's why they're not a nuisance. They're a blessing. That's why it don't matter if they cry. I'd rather hear them cry than some of you sing. But don't stop singing. Don't, come on now. Don't stop singing, though. I love you both. The Holy Spirit is here because he's in you. And he raised Christ from the dead. He didn't give you a little sample life. He's in you. Receive it. And that greater one that's in you will change the way you think. I can't get it out of my mind. I rehearse it, I don't know, a dozen times a week. Sometime last year, pastor said this. He said, the, the word of God, he probably don't even remember it. The word of God will deliver you from small thinking. And they went, <laughs> that's why it's important to be in church, because you don't know when that will happen. But that has carried me, that word's carried me for about nine months now. Because I will say something, I was just doing this the other week, I was saying something, hey, won't we do this, you know, here at church, won't we do that? And dad said, in that, in that capacity, pastor said, uh, won't you do this? And my thinking was here, and he said, that's pretty good, but won't we do this? I had to be delivered of small thinking. The word of God will deliver you from small thinking. When you get a hold of the revelation of the spirit of truth, which is that the greater one's on the inside of you, then that means I have already overcome. That means there may be a battle, but I already know who's going to win. That means I may step into the ring, but I'm leaving with the championship belt that I came with. It doesn't matter what may come, hell or high water, it doesn't matter. They can try to shut things down, they can do whatever they want, but this man of God and this church is going to keep doing the work of the gospel, is going to keep teaching and preaching the word of God, going to keep believing the word of God, because we're going to see our marriage is strong, our children make it to heaven, and the things of God come to pass in this city and this county. Well, I don't know if I agree. Didn't ask. Not taking a poll. There will be no vote. The power of God will be released in this city, in this county, and turn it upside down. Because that's what the greater one does. He jerks the slack out of things. He shows up and he rips the spirit of error out of places. I would preach, but I don't know. Look at this, John 16, 33. John 16, 33. John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you that you may have peace. I don't try to do it, it just happens. You might think, why can't he ever read a verse all the way through before he has to say something? There's not a, you know, just keep reading, AJ. You said the whole verse, but you stop. Why are you stopping? I don't know, it just comes to me. You want peace? You need to hear the words spoken to you. You want to be free from anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts? Hear the word of Christ being spoken to you. What are you hearing? If your, if your peace is faltering, is it because you're listening to the spirit of error? Oh, what are we going to do? 
Oh, Lord, have mercy. Grocery prices are going up, and they're going up. And I'm still going to eat what I need to eat. And I'm still going to buy Bluebell ice cream, even though it's most expensive. But if I'm going to eat the calories, it better taste good. Come on now. I'm not going to see my waistline expand and it not be the best of the ice cream. But two things can happen. The Holy Spirit. Now, I make uh, this thing with groceries, but look, this is real. Because last time I checked, everybody on the planet eats food. So this is very practical. Holy Spirit can lead you. And he may do it with a sense of humor sometimes. I was actually in a time of prayer and fasting earlier this year, and Laura had to go grocery shopping because, you know, she's taking care of Naomi and all that. They, you know, they're doing, I, I felt led to pray and fast. And I said, I'll go. And she said, you ain't eat nothing, you know, how many times it was. And he said, yeah, but I'll go. She said, it's a grocery store. I said, ain't no big deal. Ain't no big deal. Let's do it. So I'm, I've been praying fast in there. And I said, Lord, I just believe, I, that's why I said, I just believe the Lord's got something for me. And I always, I go to the greatest grocery store known to man, Aldi. And I always, you know, search for the, the markdowns. And I and told Laura, I said, who else marks down food? And Laura says, every grocery store does. I said, well, I didn't know that. But it made me feel good because I thought Aldi was doing it for me. They'll put that dollar off, $2 off, $3 off. Now, you better check it, though, make sure why they're marking it down. Amen. Because you don't, you know, food poison ain't worth $2 off. But I was walking to the back because you got to get your best bang for your buck, and that's going to be on your meat. And I walked back there, and what did I find? I found not just a New York strip. I found the whole slab of meat that they cut the steaks up. It was a $60 piece of meat. off. And it was still good and everything as far as like, you know, expiration and all that. And I bought that $60 piece of meat for $20. And I said, glory to God. There's my milk and honey. That's my promised land. And I said, oh, when I break this fast, in a few days I get this old belly working again, I'm going to be eating New York Strip, baby. And I did. I ate New York Strip for breakfast, for lunch, for supper. I ate New York Strip for dessert. He, I, I, there was only one. It wasn't like 12 of them marked down. And I wasn't going to be Christian about it and tell y'all and let someone else come get it. I, that was my New York strip. The Lord will lead you. The Lord will tell you where to go. He told Moses, strike that rock. Speak to this rock, which he didn't that time, did he? But they say, go to this brook. Put a little flour in this meal. The Lord will lead you because he's got authority over the planet. And he will exercise his authority in you so that one provision will be made. Okay? But he can also give you an idea. He can also give you a way. He can also give you, say, sow this seed to this ministry. Do this. Do that. Bless these people. Sow some seed here so I can bring back a harvest. So that even like Isaac, who sowed in the days of famine, reaped a hundredfold. Because the economy of God is not limited to the economy of man. Because the greater one who's in you will cause you to prevail above the spirit of error. While the spirit of error is making people error and producing the consequence of error, destruction, the spirit of truth will elevate you and lead you and direct you to show you how to overcome in every situation. How to overcome in every circumstance.
Because John 16, I didn't forget about it. This is where you're still at. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. There may be a fight. You know, you can't be victorious if there isn't a fight. What if I walked in here next week and I had a big WrestleMania belt? Anyone used to watch wrestling? It ain't fake. Don't tell me it's fake. And the big old WrestleMania belt. And they say, where'd you get that thing? I want it. Who'd you win it from? Nobody. I want it. I just say I want it. You got to fight someone if you want to win the belt. Makes you wonder, though, who was the first guy with the belt? Hey, I got a big belt. Who wants to fight me for it? I'll take you for it. There may be some tribulation. But the Lord will deliver you out of them all. Because the spirit that overcomes the greater one is in you. Which means it don't matter what they say. It don't matter what anybody plans for the summer. Do you realize last year that what was it? They were telling us, this was from the president's office. They were telling us we're going to have a, a bad winter. Oh, with COVID. Oh, a bad winter. Oh, you better settle in. It's going to be a bad winter. I had a blessed winter. I had a Holy Ghost winter. I had a wonderful winter. I had some days that didn't even feel like winter. They were saying it was a bad winter. There were some days there were 70 degrees. I know they weren't talking about temperature. But my mandate does not come from Washington, D.C., from Columbia, South Carolina. It doesn't come from Lawrence. It doesn't come from social media. It doesn't come from opinions of people. It doesn't become from good thoughts. It comes from the Word of God. And I know there may be some tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus has been overcome the world since that, that point, 2,000 years. And we just jump in. When we believe on Jesus, we just jump into the overcoming train. You want to do some overcoming? Just jump on the bus. Where are we going? We're going to Overcomersville. Just hop on. This is where we're going. Because the greater one's on the inside of you. See, Satan, all he can do is deceive. As I close this up this morning, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that the God of this world, little g, has blinded the eyes of men, lest they see the glory of the light of the gospel and believe. Because if you see the light of the gospel and believe, his show's over. But have you thought about this? Maybe there's varying degrees of spirit of error. Have you ever started off learning something? And I know you have. Pick anything. You could do subjects in school. You could pick trades, crafts, hobbies, whatever it is. Have you ever had a certain amount of knowledge about something? You know, maybe you're learning woodworking, and you, you learn how you pull out that tape measure, and you know you can do the inches, the inch marks, right? Well, that's one inch, two inch, three inch. But you say to yourself, what's all those little ticks in between the one and two? Well, we're going to show you the next shortest one, that's a half inch. All right, now I know inches and half inches. But what's, there's some more lines on there. Yeah, we'll do the quarters next. Then we'll do the eighths and the sixteenths. And then some wise guy put 30 seconds on there. But you don't need it for, for woodworking. But maybe you do for metal or other things like that. You have a certain amount of knowledge. And then when more truth comes, you're elevated to a higher level of knowledge. Do you understand that there's different degrees of spirit of error? Maybe you understand the truth of God in one area of your life, healing, but you don't understand it in finances, prosperity. Maybe you can get things right in finances and healing, but you don't understand it in relationships. 
or raising children or how to have peace. You have to eradicate any seeds the spirit of error has dispersed so that the spirit of truth and the power of the greater one can come in and overcome in every area of your life. Because when it's all said and done, there's either the spirit of truth, there's the spirit of error. Now, I want you to see this. You're in John 16, 33. As I come to a close today, I want you to look at this. John 14, 17. John 14, 17. 14, 16, I'm sorry. I will pray to the Father. How many is thankful Jesus is praying for you? He's doing that right now. That's his eternal ministry at this point the high priest of your confession. I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, someone who will come alongside you, lead you, guide you, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, who is he? The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither receives him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you, and he will be in you. Christ came to bring salvation so that he can make you a brand new creation, a new vessel, so that he could fill you with his spirit. He didn't want to just save you, just for the sake of saving you. He wanted to save you so that you would be equipped to receive his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of judgment, the spirit of discernment the spirit and the gifts and the ministries that he has available, the spirit of truth. Because when he comes in you, you've now become an overcomer. You're not going to be. You're not working up to it. You're not a half, three-quarter, seven-eighths overcomer. You have become an overcomer because the greater one is on the inside of you. So you, you, you have to change the way you do things. You have to change the way you think. You have to change the way you receive information. You understand this may be true naturally, but I'm working at a higher level. I'm at the overcoming level. I'm at a spiritual realm. The God that I serve will change the natural to make it come into conformity to his word. That's what faith looks like, doing what can't be done. You and I, we obey, and the power of God changes things, changes situations to conform to His Word that we yield and obey to, to where everyone else is saying, it can't happen, can't happen, won't work, won't work. You say, I just yield and obey, I just yield and obey, and the Spirit of truth says, let's do it, and changes things. Stand up with me on your feet today as we go before the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this church family. Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's here this morning. Father in heaven, Lord, I ask, Lord, touch their hearts and their minds right now, Lord. Bring a special anointing on them this moment, Father. A keeping anointing. The anointing of the spirit of truth that cuts through error, that cuts through deceit. Lord, give them eyes to see so that when they see, they see clearly. They see through the snares and the entrapments of the evil one. When they hear, they hear your voice alone. And they can tell when a lie is coming. They can hear when words are being spoke by a ravenous wolf. 
They can see through sheep's clothing when it's just the enemy trying to come in and attack. They can see that though it may feel this way or you might want this thing or that thing, it does not conform to the word of God. So they repel it, they refuse it. And they will not allow the devil to have any opportunity in their life. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the spirit of truth would fall heavy on this church right now. I want you to pray with this, pray this prayer with me. Everyone here in church, I want you to pray this prayer. Well, I'm sorry. Let me, let me make this petition first. Here's the thing. You're here today. You might think, you know what? That sounds real good to have the spirit of truth because I'd like to know what's right, what's wrong. It's this simple. Make Jesus Lord of your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, it's just you and God. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you don't need to waste another second. Whether you're watching on the live stream, you're listening to the replay, or you have made the, the commitment to come in the house today right now, if you need to make things right with God, you don't need to wait another second because you need the spirit of truth in your life. If that's you, want you to raise your hand if you want to make things right with God, if you need to have your heart made right with God, if you're watching right now, and wherever you're listening, you need to make things right with God, I want you to pray this prayer. All over the church, we're going to pray this prayer. Say, Father, I believe in the risen Son, Christ Jesus. I confess Him, Lord of my life. I give everything, all my thoughts, all my words, all my actions, everything of me to you. I submit, Jesus is my Lord in Jesus' name. Now pray this prayer. Say, Father, I receive by faith the Holy Spirit. Fill me to overflowing with His power, His might, and His truth. May the Spirit of truth Fill me up to overflowing so that I'll never fall, never falter or fall away. May I see through the deceptions of the spirit of error through Satan and his work. Because you've made me an overcomer. I am an overcomer because you, the greater one, indwells in me. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, lift up a hand clap of praise. Lift up a shout of glory to God. Oh, we bless your name, God. We thank you, Lord, for the spirit of truth in Jesus' name. I pray you have a powerful week this week. I want to say thank you for being here, being here on time, being a part of this service. And I want to say thank you for continually praying, inviting and bringing people with you. If you look around, the church is growing. There's people you see that you haven't seen before. People coming back. Praise God. How many is excited what God's doing in Lawrence County? He's going to use you. He's going to use the power of his might through you. You've got the answer someone needs. Give it out this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. I love you. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday, I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.